Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co founder and president of Promo Cares and founder of Social Good Promotions. Promo Cares is a 100% volunteer initiative that recognizes and empowers organizations and individuals in the promotional products industry to use their super use their businesses as a superpower for social good. You think I can read the open? We will share best practices, inspire collaborative efforts, and recognize their cause-related endeavors. Regardless of how or why, the frequency and power of natural disasters have played a significant role in shaping the economy, both domestically as well as abroad. Recognizing an unmet need way back in 2005, the Promotional Products Association Regional Trade Associations got together to share what they could with those in need in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And then 2012 saw Hurricane Sandy, and from there, the frequency with which members of our industry are faced with potentially catastrophic blows has followed the path of storms, fires, tornadoes, and other life-changing events that have crisscrossed our continent in the seven years since. I'm especially happy to welcome in 2010 Regional Association Council President and current Promotional Products Disaster Recovery Foundation Officer Dan Jenny from TechWeld. Welcome, Dan. He along with Jeff Thomas, MAS, and Donna Vorce, CAS, oversee the foundation and are stewards of the foundation's business recovery fund, which we will discuss in greater detail as part of today's conversation. He's also a very good friend of mine. I'm really glad that he would take time on a weeknight after dinner with a cold in his pajamas, drinking NyQuil, (laughs) sniffling, sneezing, Thanks, Dan, man. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Luckily, I'm getting over that. The, the, uh, what we call the post-Vegas yuck, right? The post-Vegas yuck. That is the God's honest truth, no <laughs> doubt about it. Thank you, Roger. We're friends because we both volunteered in our industry. Think about all of the fun that you and I have had that would, would definitely not have happened had one or both of us not made that choice at some point in our career to uh, to make that choice to to want to give back to the industry. So... I, you know, almost we'll, 10 years we'll, of that now file one for the good guys. It's uh, it's one of those things when giving gives you things back in return and I'm really great, really grateful for our friendship. While we really can't really dive into much of that because most of it's not meant for radio, we're going to instead focus on <laughs> what we want to cover with respect to the, what the foundation does and the value it provides to people selling promotional products out there. You know, it's important for people to realize and if you're not a member of PPAI, but you do find yourself in a predicament where you need some help because of a natural disaster, you don't have to be a PPAI member. Benefit from the, the business recovery fund. So, so we've got a fun surprise we want to let out of the bag at the end too, not to, not to keep this dry. We want to have a little bit of fun at the end. We want to share a little bit. So is that kind of good for context, Dan? You ready to jump in this thing? Yeah, that, that opens it up fine, Roger. Thank you. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's get into it. So this is this is the ultimate alphabet soup. P P A I D R F B R I forget. So yeah. lay that all out for me. Like, how do we end up with all of these letters? And what lots, does lots all, of P's but no Q's? <laughs> right. What does what does it all boil down to in the end? What is it? 
Where do we come well, out on this thing? Um, originally, yeah, being a uh, PPAI initiative, uh, the PPAI PPDRF, and we uh, we nicknamed it PPDRF for a little while, and people couldn't take that seriously enough, I think, at some point. So um, we just kept it at PPDRF. But at, uh, at some point in my presidency around 2010 there, we um, transitioned it from a PPAI initiative to a RAC initiative. RAC, again, more alphabet soup being a regional association council. And if uh, you're not familiar out there, the uh, regional association council is the larger regional board that kind of feeds and is the conduit of information between the regional associations out there across the country and PPAI. Yeah, I, I just need to put a map out there and let people figure this thing yeah. out. I, I bring enough exactly. people from the regional association community onto the podcast. I hope people are at least starting to figure out that there's trade associations out there. They will protect and help you be better at what you do. If you're not a member, please, for the love of God, go figure out what I'm talking about. And this time, no BS. Dan, I will absolutely put a link to the Regional Association Council map so people can figure out where, exactly. where, where, their, where their peeps might be. Color-coded, I hope. Color-coded, color <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, 2010, took it over and basically was all new. It was all new to us. And the officers actually, uh, 10 years ago, still in place, as you mentioned, Jeff Thomas and Donna Vorse, uh, were still officers to this day. And there's been talk uh, a couple of years ago of transitioning officers out and seeing, you know, if, if some new blood in there could, could market this or just maybe drive funds a little better. And we all put up a little bit of a fight for that because <laughs> we, we had our, you know, we had our little uh, lulls in fundraising and marketing of all, but that, you know, life gets in the way, our work, work comes first and children and everything else. But we all just, when it came down to it, we just had a passion for this and just knew how it grew from nothing to what it is now, especially, and what it was at different points throughout this last decade. Um, but yeah, so essentially, I'm in it for the long haul. I think Jeff and Donna are, and we're just going to continue to try and drive funds to this foundation because it has proven uh, to be a much needed a much needed resource for yeah. people with uh, natural disaster striking. So no, no doubt. And, and I want to make sure that we leave some space here for you to share with the audience, perhaps a couple of the more, more noteworthy situations um, that you, you may have encountered as people were having their lives changed yeah. by, by what was going on, on around them and really not having much control in the way of uh, what, what was going to be the outcome. So, but before we get specifically to that, like I, I, I kind of caught you along the way as the board was starting to assume responsibility for this initiative. You know, you and I were working on that uh, back in the 2011, 2012, the, the pace, it seems like from 12, it's sort of, we, we had this little period where we went from maybe people didn't, quite know about the fund so much to that not really being the case anymore. So talk a little bit about that. And then like, what do you attribute that to? What, where was the pivot that made it be somewhat or gosh, not somewhat much more visible than it had been in the past? 
Well, to be honest, um, and I think part of the reason it became a RAC initiative is PPAI being a much larger organization and a lot, you know, looking out for the entire industry um, and the, uh, the larger, larger volunteer pools, maybe. Um, and RAC, once we took it over, there was a new, a new uh, not a job, but a new, a new role for us that we had to kind of oversee. And at first there really wasn't the, the funds were there and people didn't know about how to use them or what it was even, or why the funds were there or how to, how to get them if, if they were needed. So there was a couple of years there where I think, like we mentioned before, we were trying to almost find ways to give this money away. Yeah. And it was fast and furious. Like you said, when 2012 hit and Sandy hit, it seemed like for a couple of years there, there was just one event after another. And the fact that the, the word got out a little more about the foundation and these natural disasters striking, really just the, the funds started to, to go out and help a lot of people. And, and, and you know, we, we're not an insurance company and we're not out there to give people $50,000, $100,000. We're out to exactly what our tagline was at one point, just getting people back to work, getting people back into business. And that could be a file cabinet. It could be a laptop. It could be chipping in on a, a screen printer machine or whatever it may be. But it's something that can get people back into, into the role of conducting business. When you look at the, the national association versus the regional affiliates, mm -hmm. you really talk about where should responsibility for certain projects lie. And I think this is a great example of PPAI, while it is a, a kind and benevolent uh, protector of our space, it doesn't have the depth of relationship that the trade association community has at the street level. Exactly. And so consequently, the Regional Association Council had about two years to get the word out to its membership that this sort of opportunity and benefit was available to them. And typically, it takes a couple cycles for people to get comfortable with the, the notion that things are there for them. And if for no other reason than just consistently and repeatedly sharing that message, no matter where we were, no matter whether it was in PPB or if we were at a regional event together, you know, we were constantly banging the drum for the business recovery fund. And there, there you are two years later when the time comes for it to be at the ready. And there we were. So, you know, I really attribute it to being a great example of the regional national collaboration working in a way that was one of the better ones that we've seen kind of come to fruition. Yes. And you nailed it with the fact, you know, the, the old term, the grassroots type situation, but the fact that we, we knew of people and we knew the, a lot of these folks that received the funds personally on, on a, a lot of times with the, the folks that were within a small regional or a large regional that got affected, you know, Sandy being affected within a larger regional but just so many people that knew the struggle that a lot of a lot of these uh, business owners were having, and once that hit, uh, like we were saying, it was just it seemed like three or four right after that. Whether it was Sandy and then tornadoes in the Midwest, and then I mean multiple wildfires over the course of the past of the decade, of course. But 
but yeah, there was a couple of years there where the funds went out and then if you don't mind me transitioning and then it went <laughs> to a point where, okay, we need some new life and some new marketing campaigns, some new ways to drive some funds into this foundation because two years earlier when we couldn't find a way to give this money away to people in need, now we had to find a way to give this, find money to give it to people <laughs> need the next time. Right. Fun campaigns came into play and LDW was a great uh, venue for this sort of thing because, again, there's more alphabet soup, but leadership development workshop happening once a year for the regional community, the, re- the volunteer leaders within the regional community uh, get together and we just, just, again, bang that drum every year and I think I went six or seven years in a row, you as well. And uh, so the consistency helped as well. And one of those, for example, was the uh, 15 for the fund. And it was very simple, but basically we just, all, all week that week, we started with buttons or whatever it was and just ask people for $15. Give $15, you get a little pin, but you know what? It wasn't the pin. It was the fact that you were gonna help somebody on that next natural disaster. And somehow just a little kitschy marketing campaign like that, that can be a little fun or a little entertaining or a little bit of uh, competitive spirit involved, you know, uh, which was, which was great. Um, just raised those funds up quite a bit again. So, all right. I want to just pause here for a second. Okay. Because for, for those of us listening to this discussion, I, I want to bring to light Something literally that like most of us, if we were able to say in front of other people that we were able to pull something like this off, everyone else would go, the hell you did. Yeah. (laughs) Dan, Jenny, you guys got people to commit to giving you $15 on the first and the 15th of each month. Yes. For more than a month. Yes. For For multiple months. For multiple months, you had people in our industry saying, yes, Dan, Jenny, Yes, Jeff Thomas. Yes, Donna Vorch. Reach in my pocket twice a month. I'm letting you do it. Please be my guest. And some people for, you know, for a good year, folks took part in that, which is huge. And it was, you know, some of it was 15 or 30 bucks, of, you know, each time or per month. And then we had some nice little, you know, a few hundred dollar donations that instead of worrying about it each month, you know, I'm just going to write you a check. And those are the best kind, of course, because they get into the... <laughs> The account, but at the same cash time, up front, baby, cash up front. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I had to promise them sometimes I wasn't going to uh, Bonnie and Clyde's, you know, that, right. that night with the with the money or whatever it was but, uh, <laughs> yeah, for our karaoke trips. But um, <laughs> that's another podcast. And uh, but um, but yes, exactly. We were able to to pull that money together, and we had at that point a couple case histories to share, um, and it just. Really, it, it grabbed the heartstrings of a lot of people not knowing. And even some of these larger companies, they're not going to, you know, what are they going to do with $1,000? You know, I mean, it's not, it's not going to help them much. But a lot of these um, small to medium uh, business owners that really, like I mentioned before, could use $800, $2,000. Anything. To An- help them get anything, anything. Exactly. And, An industry and, membership, you know, a well, laptop, a printer. And it's so representative of the um, uh, our industry taking care of its own when we all know that most of us are small business people. And yeah. it's sort of saying, like, I'm willing to kick into the kitty for all of my other brothers and sisters who are just like me 
on the odd event that one of us needs that help. And it's so emblematic of what you and I know of our industry with, and, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is, you know, from technology perspective, you know, if you think about where we were with social media in 2010 versus 2019 and the way that, um, micro messaging, you know, uh, private messaging apps and things have kind of spawned to where there's all these groups out there now that are, are dedicated to our industry or apparel or screen printing or all of these different things. You know, we really have a much better and more well identified sense of where the community exists when we want to go talk to people about stuff. Right. So, so by being able to tell the story or in this instance, perhaps tell again, the story, about what this fund is actually there to do, we might remind some of our small brothers and sisters out there that should that opportunity have and help ever present itself, that you have that opportunity to, to take advantage of it. So here, here's your chance to let some of the, uh, the, the butterflies and the rainbows and the unicorns tell us some of the good stories that came out of uh, uh, well, guys, before I do that, I just wanted to add on something that still to this day, um, went back, I went back to LDW this year for the first time in about four or five years, but we started it, I want to say, I think the year after when you were president in uh, 2011, yeah. um, about, you know, everybody, whenever you're in meetings or whatever else, you know, nobody wants to hear anybody's phone going off. <laughs> so immediately, an easy $5 anytime it happened. <laughs> was anytime a phone went off and they were told beforehand, if a phone went off, um, an email ding or a ring or whatever it was, it was five bucks to the PPDRF. Um, and to this day, it's almost kind of a joke now, but at the same time, people know and follow that and they better have their, their fin skis in their pocket ready to go because their phone's going off at some point. And you should most assuredly not leave your phone lying Exactly. By itself. <laughs> Which we've done many times. Purposely <laughs> called somebody, seeing if their phone was off, and then knowing they'd have to give the five bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, what was the question before that? So the, fund oh, yeah. had, the funds had a chance to help a couple people along the way. T- tell us a couple of the ones that people might be interested to hear. Um, well, some of the, some of the long time ago examples are tough to remember. Yeah, um, yeah. I just remember, I don't remember names or company names and maybe don't want to even share that. No, it's probably but, better not um, to. <laughs> as I mentioned, most of the time it is somewhere between $500 and $2,000. And there was one um, where it could have been not even a business situation, but it was. And it was uh, one of the hurricanes a couple of years ago. And it took out the, the gentleman worked from his from a, a little warehouse in his backyard, basically. Uh-huh. Took out part of his building and part of his fence, which in turn damaged some of the machinery that he printed with. Right. He was doing some die cast or he was doing some, uh, some sort of emblematic, as <laughs> that word came up twice in this podcast, uh-huh. um, emblematic uh, work. And he was, was just at a loss. Right. Sent in the application. And again, it's not a stringent application. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of questions, but we just kind of want to get a feel for what they need. And, and it it was $2,500 sent his way. And it was just, I mean, the, the feedback we get from some of these folks, it just almost like saves, it saves their business in a way. Cause like we said, they're waiting on insurance a lot of times. And that's part of the question too, is if they're going to, if, you know, have you applied for, did you have business insurance? Sometimes, Sometimes no. And what, what, it, what it does is it just, even while they're waiting for that, 
it can get them some basic equipment to get back to business because this is their livelihood. And yeah, and man, I mean, I, I I'm fortunate as are you to really have had the good fortune to not have been in that type of situation. But what I do know is when you're in a stressful time, sometimes the comfort of being able to do your job mm-hmm. can be the difference between you going batty or not. Yeah. And the, the, the ability to be able to at least regain some semblance of normality in your life while you're trying to put the pieces back together. And no, I mean, you know, nothing for nothing. Money is tight in situations like that. And just knowing that somebody's got your back like that. I mean, one day we'll have, we'll have a chance maybe to, to hear the stories a little bit more closely because uh, there's going to be an opportunity for that to occur. We'll talk about that just a little bit later. But, yes. but we go through these, these peaks and valleys of kind of fundraising and then depletion of funds and then fundraising and then depletion of funds. So where, where does 2019 find the business recovery fund today? Uh, it finds us in really good shape. And there was, like you said, peaks and valleys of need um, to, uh, you know, maybe a year or two where there isn't need. And again, there was after that, that, I don't know, that 2016 or 2015 through last year, there wasn't a whole lot of need. And it's almost a good thing because again, full disclosure here, we had lost a little bit of the, uh, we lost your mojo. Yeah. Lost, lost your mojo for a while. We lost a little bit of mojo. <laughs> and it was a lot of us, again, life getting in the way, work getting in the way. And the funds, the foundation was there with some funds, but the, the need wasn't there. And we didn't let people know as much as we want to that, that we're there for them. You know, the sense of community is still there for you within this, you know, regional community. Just until about a year, year and a half ago, when new life again was put into this. And um, I'll attribute uh, some of that to, um, to uh, Dana Geiger taking over the regional relations manager position as she was part of the grassroots back from 2010 and 11. Yeah. And she came on as executive director in, uh, in Virginia and then in Florida and wherever else. Yeah, she um, was riding in the catbird seat with us, man. When we, when, <laughs> when we were getting it going, she was right there riding. Exactly. Shotgun. And, uh, and, and she, you know, she would kind of facilitate our meetings and, and, and just had some really nice ideas and brought some new, new life to it through PPAI. And I uh, hope I'm not jumping ahead too much, but at the same time, recently, uh, after probably seven or eight years of PPAI kind of, you know, giving it to us in 2010 and then being relatively dormant, still supportive of us, of course. But hands but, uh, off. Hands dormant, off. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Hands off, exactly. With the, uh, with the, the marketing of it or the fundraising of it. And uh, recently now PPAI themselves have gotten uh, real excited about it. And I think a lot of that has to do too with what has happened in the past year, especially Puerto Rico just comes to mind. Yeah. Big time. I mean, you had Harvey and then Maria and then, I mean, Puerto Rico just got demolished last yeah. year yeah. and there was one of the better stories then. And at the most recent LDW, we had a terrific case history. Everybody in tears after, after this, <laughs> this woman spoke um, about her story and the funds she received. And uh, it just brought some new blood, new life to it. And again, the, the foundation is really climbing again and we're, we're so happy about it. So. 
a couple things. There's a movement afoot at the PPAI board to go from more of a transactional to a relational organization. So certainly it would only stand to reason that something as grassroots as taking care of members when they are faced with a disaster would be one easy place for PPAI to redouble its efforts now that it's made that decision. And I think we're seeing as a result, the invest reinvestment of their time and energy. And it wasn't that we were being neglected. They certainly believed we were in good hands, but now they're wanting to bring what they've learned along the way to bear, to help what you guys are doing continue to be even better. So, you know, it's, it's great. Which to is see awesome. That. Yeah, it's totally great to see it. And, and it's, it's one of those instances where you give kudos to PPAI because there's a lot of times where organizations will talk about doing things. But those guys, man, once they decide they want to do something, you can tell pretty quickly by virtue of what they do that their intentions are true. And this is yet another one of those examples. So you've got that. And you know, there's even been like uh, some recent fundraising efforts amongst the PPAI board specific to what you guys are doing. So uh, talk a little bit about that so that, you know, we, we can give people an idea of kind of where they put their money, where their mouth was. You know, a couple months before Expo, got a call. PPAI board had discussed and agreed upon making it one of their initiatives at Expo. And like you said, to become more relational and involved with the actual membership community, looking to raise funds for the actual foundation through PPAI, not just kind of giving us, helping us with a plan, but taking, taking action themselves. And uh, I thought it was, I thought it was cool with the, the, uh, the Paul Bellantone cutout was uh, kind of the, the, uh, the genesis of it and the, the, the model for it, the reminder of it all through Expo. It was five for the fund was, was part of that. And also what, uh, what I, I want to say UMAP, recently the same sort of same sort of situation you know kind of a bandwagon sort of effect and if you can get ppai and an organization that looks out for the industry as large as they are behind it then it's only good news for all of us a lot of funds raised at ppai expo that maybe we didn't doubt it but we were just wondering hey you know if we get a couple hundred bucks a couple thousand bucks then great you know what i mean it's it's money the fund didn't have and um, I mean, there was well over three thousand dollars raised. Not great. That's you know, that's without anywhere. taking time away from the you know the organization of the actual expo, which obviously is the the main event. So I would say aspirationally, you look at maybe the promotional products education foundation and what that organization's been able to do from a not only growth growth of their endowment, but also growth in their ability to be able to spread that love around to members of our industry as a result of their ability to continue to grow what they're receiving. And so some people may be cynical and say, so he's going to announce a surprise that is going to be meant to really make a big move of the needle if we're successful here. Why would I be doing that for an organization that's on the upswing when it comes to fun fundraising? And I guess what I would want to say to everyone is I would love to see the business recovery fund start to grow in a way that would resemble the education foundation. Yes. That would, that would give us the opportunity to be able to have some money in the bank and be able to make some investments then that could pay 
to continue for us to be able to do this so that when there are ebbs and flows in our ability to continue to raise funds on an ad hoc basis, perhaps our efforts in the short term to really grow the reserves of the organization might be the buffer for when that next valley or perhaps heaven help us, that next spate of just terrible situations come up that it will require us to be able to give more money or, or send more money and to people's way. And you and I both know that that PPEF, the Educational Foundation, is we don't look at it uh, with envy or no. jealousy, but we look at it as the model yeah. of fundraising in this industry. They a- are aspirationally. I mean, yeah, yes. exactly. There is just, uh, you know, there's, there's so much that they do for these, uh, these high school, these high school graduates going for these kids going to college that it's almost like you said, I mean, it's almost like we're small potatoes with that, but we don't have to be. And yeah. we shouldn't, and we shouldn't be. There's, there's kids always going to college, kids always in need, but you know what? Natural disasters right around the corner. Yeah, well, well, the way I look at it is sort of, there will always be children going to school and there will always be natural disasters. So why yeah. can't we, pre- why can't we prepare for both? So yeah. with that in mind, uh, Dan, as you know, talk to me, my, Roger, <laughs> my, my, my local distributorship, social good promotions has accepted passionately a challenge to see if we as an organization might not have the opportunity to move this needle on behalf of the business recovery fund. So social good promotions along with, a handful of other big hearted caring people within the industry have decided to put on a major fundraising event on behalf of the business recovery fund. It's a five-star James Beard nominated uh, chef James Regato at Mabel Gray restaurant in Hazel, beautiful Hazel park, Michigan. We are closing the venue down for an evening of food, friendship and philanthropy with all of the proceeds designated to go to the business recovery fund. We only have 50 seats available. I'm happy to say that as of today, 18 of those have been sold. Really? So we are on our way to being almost halfway to our target of 50 seats sold. Sponsorships are in the process of being jockeyed for as people start to realize who's coming to this event. But really what we're hoping is that this would be a destination event the members of the organization with giving hearts and the willingness to make at least a 500,000, if 500,000, a $500, <laughs> if not a $1,000 donation towards the ticket cost of the event, along with your travel to come in and spend an evening with all of us to raise somewhere between twenty five dollars and $50,000 for the business recovery fund. James Regato is a uh, former uh, top chef uh, season six, I think. Really? He's a, he's a connector in the community amongst the chef scene here in Detroit, which I know this might be hard for all of you to believe, but the Detroit restaurant scene is booming and, uh, James is, uh, James Beard nominations, notwithstanding he is, but amongst the number of chefs in the Metro Detroit area that are bringing it on a day in and day out basis. So I am so excited to open my culinary community to the rest of the uh, United States and have people fly in from destinations near and far to spend an evening reveling with us in in food and celebration, all in name of a good cause. And Dan, I can't, I can't tell you, man, I'm super, super excited to have the opportunity to see if we can do it. And to me, the beauty of it is I anticipate this being a annual event and we'd really love to see it get moved around 
the United States from location to location using the connections that all of us have because we're all traveling salespeople and we're big foodies and we all have great relationships with the restaurateurs in our local markets. So what better event for us to kick off on May 13th of 2019 in Hazel Park, Michigan than this kickoff event for the BRF. I know you're going to be there. Can't wait to see you. And we all have our target list of people that we're going to beg to spend that money for a good cause and make sure that we all get uh, the good feeling that we're all looking for when we make the world a better place collectively. So I listen, I don't want you to say anything about thank yous. We haven't done the thing yet. You don't know how much money we're going to raise until I give you a check. I don't want to hear any thank yous. All I want you to say is that you're going to be there and that we're going to have a good time and the rest will take care of itself, my friend. And that sounds like something I can say, even though I got, I got it. I got to say, I got to say thank you just because, but at the same time, knowing you, Roger, also on a personal note, not just the fact that how much good this would do for the regional community and the foundation, but the challenge for you to get these seats sold and the, the passion that you're going to show trying to sell them is unbelievable. <laughs> And not saying selling them, but I guess that is the word. You got to sell the seats <laughs> at the same time. Tickets, build are, this. tickets are tax deductible. The yeah. recovery fund is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. So please, ladies and gentlemen. And I love the idea of, uh, of the thought of building it into, I mean, it's January and you got almost half, half sold out. Yeah. little few more to go to be half sold out and that's five months away. So at the same time, if one can work, and it works out well, like you said, a destination, a destination series each year to a different city with different people, some of the same people. I would, I would want to be there every year, as would you, I'm sure. But so, uh, so, and it's amazing. So, 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 a memorable experience that has travel included, food and drink, networking and I don't know what else. And oh, and by the way, we're making the world a better place as a result of our collective efforts. That sounds, that sounds to me like a philanthropy quadruple play. So I don't know what else we can do. I just can't wait to see what happens, Dan. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on tonight, man. Uh, We're going to get this thing out real quick so that we can start doing the promotion so I can sell seats. So thank you for your help in getting that done, my friend. Well, I appreciate you having me on Roger. And as always, anytime I can chat with you is good too. But, uh, this is um this 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 could be great, and uh, I know it's a new, I know it's a new venture, so it's going to take a lot of work. And uh, you know anything me and the fellow trustees can do to help, you know we're here, brother. <laughs>